0: Abram responds to God. There's this promise that he would have descendants, even though they've been unable to have a baby. And he says in Genesis fifteen two, "O Sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings if I don't even have a son?" Did you know that there's conversation with God in the Scripture? Whoa. God, what good is it if you protect me from invaders and we can't even have a baby? Continuing on, God responds to him. Picking up in verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside outside of his tent and said to him look up into the sky count the stars if you can you ever been so far away from city lights that all of a sudden you realize there's a lot more up there than you thought look up into the sky count the stars if you can that's how many descendants you will have and Abram Believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. It's a rich theme there. We've talked about it before, we'll come back to in weeks in the future too. What happens in verse in chapter 15 is that God comes down and makes a covenant with Abram. He cuts covenant. He makes a serious, lifelong commitment, an everlasting commitment. God is a God of love. God is love. God is the God of a promise for a lifetime. God makes a promise to his people for a lifetime. God's into us making promises that last a lifetime. And there's this unreal experience with the manifest presence of God as Abram responds to God's terms of this promise, asks Abram for action as a sign of faith, having already counted him as righteous because of his faith. God's presence is manifest. It's like, whoa! It's recorded for us to read for centuries, for millions upon millions of people who've read about these experiences since. And what happens? Time passes. Abram and Sarai are ready to see God's promise fulfilled. And they know something, because they live here on this planet. They know you can't have descendants without a first one. And they have not yet seen how this is going to work. Okay, God, you said this, but nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. If you don't know the rest of the story, to you it's not delay, it's nothing's happening. Am I talking today? We're talking, let's be real. Nothing's happening. Have you ever felt desperate for change? I have. Nothing's happening. Sarah goes to her husband and she says, why don't we do this? You sleep with my servant and that's how we'll have a baby. Is it possible that what's implied here is maybe the Word of God isn't for me. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it wasn't for both of us. Maybe it's it's for you. Maybe God was speaking in the singular. What I find when I study the original language is that through most of the Bible, it's written in the plural when it's written to us. Maybe the Word wasn't for me. You sleep with my servant. and You have a baby that way. And there's an amazing story that comes. Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. We've talked about that before. And out of there, there's this beautiful revelation that God is alive, aware, able, and active, that God sees us for who we are better than anyone else, and that God hears our cry. Yahweh El Roy, the God who sees me. God says, It's not through your servant that I'm going to fulfill this promise. It's through the two of you. Heartache, pain. Now remember, Abram was 75. We don't get Sarai's age. Now he's 86. Years have passed. They both made mistakes. They both had reason to wonder about this God. Reason to wonder. Was it bad goat or did God really speak? You know, you have a feast and for them it wasn't pizza, it was goat, Right? It was the first thing that the enemy says in the garden, did God really say? Well, they they didn't need the enemy. They had reason to wonder. Years have passed. The promise hasn't come. Now we come to a part of the story that maybe you've heard before. Chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Now... Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Abram makes a mistake too. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now, 13 years passed. Ishmael is at least least 12, probably 13 years old, somewhere in that area. It's now 24 years since the time God first said, I will bless you, give you a crazy amount of descendants, bless people on the whole earth through you. 24 years. I'm 48 now. I heard God say things 24 years ago. 24 years. Genesis 17, 1-6, part of the story maybe you've heard. So Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, and this is an interesting thing, just real quickly. Three guys come and visit them. One of the three is referenced as Lord. We have reason to believe that Jesus shows up on earth in a physical way before his human birth This could be one of those situations. That's not the main point. But one of the three men is referred to as Lord and speaks to the other two. We don't know, but are we talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? We don't know. Is it Jesus and angels? We don't know. But that's the setting here. It's important because some of the grammar is going to get confusing if you don't understand that. So when Abram was 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. There's forgiveness, right? He called him righteous because of his faith. There's God's already walking in forgiveness of the mistakes of the past. But he's also saying, now going forward, live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you. This is after, this is years after he's already made that initial everlasting covenant with him. So God is the God of yesterday, today, and what is yet to come. I'm going to make another promise with you. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. God is talking again. He's repeating the promise that he gave 24 years in the past. At this, Abram fell face down in the ground. There is a physical recognition that something unreal is happening, something supernatural. And God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name." It will no longer be Abram, instead you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Fast forward to verse 15. And the Lord said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, for now on her name will be Sarah. For I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. (laughs) How could I become a father at age 100? you know, it takes 40 weeks from conception to birth. How can this happen, he thought. And how could Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael, remember the 13 year old, live under your special blessing. God, we already have a son. Accomplish your will that way. Not the way that you're saying you're going to do but accomplish your will this way. There is something, there's a mixture. It's a human response, and in human response, a lot of times we have a mixture of what is good and and wanting to be aligned with God and a mixture of I don't really get it and can we do it my way? There's a mixture here, right, in his response. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. It's important for us to gather that even when we make mistakes, God brings restoration and blessing. God is the God of restoration. God is a God of blessing. God is a God who comes and meets us where we are. Now, continuing on, one of the three said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, as we've established, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. God, the plumbing doesn't work anymore. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? God so often teaches us with questions. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, in this room, we don't, we have people who are capable of going a little deeper. It would be easy to stop there. But that's not the end of the conversation in this moment between God and Abraham and Sarah. But most of the time, when you hear this preached, that's where we end. Because isn't that enough? Whoa, is anything too hard for God? But I want to point out something to you. In that moment, Lot comes into the conversation. That's right, Abraham's nephew, who moved with him from that spot on this journey, comes into the conversation between God and Abraham and I'll bet you may have not ever known that these things happen in the same moment in the same moment watch this now so let's go back let's get a little bit of Lot's history so Lot moves he's the nephew he moves with them he grows his family he grows his wealth of livestock their shepherds start fussing at each other Abraham and Lot decide, hey, we need to kind of separate in the land so that all of our animals have a peaceful way to be fed. They separate. And what Lot does is Lot decides he's a city kid. Lot decides to settle in the plains of the city. He, I'm, I'm a city kid. I grew up in the city. I love the city. I mean, I like being in the wilderness, but I hate the suburbs, if we're honest. It's just me. It's just me. A lot of, a lot of people, like the suburbs is the ideal, and that's all good. I'm just telling you what I'm like. So I, kinda, I can identify with Lot. It's like, man, I've done herded the sheep and herded the goats and I've, i earned my money. I'm going to move to the city. That's what he does. He moves to the cities of the plain. And rewinding a little bit, Genesis 13, 13, we see, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Toxic selfishness enters the equation. What do I mean by toxic selfishness? We're all humans, we're all individuals, we're all born with an instinct for self-preservation. We breathe, we eat, we do things to protect our life. That's good, that's good stewardship, that's God-given good stewardship. But when I put my pleasure above anyone else, I cause pain, and that's toxic Selfishness. when I make someone else the object of my pleasure. Toxic selfishness can enter the equation. And what was happening in this area, with these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, side by side, was toxic selfishness was the order of the day. And the stories get dark and twisty here. And Lot and his wife, they make mistakes. There's no other way around it. In fact, Lot even offers up his daughters. Lot Lot is not choosing a path of righteousness. And God, who knows everything, sees what's going on. They were constantly, what does the Scripture say? constantly sinning against the Lord. They were extremely wicked. God knew this wasn't going to change. And in chapter 14, in fact, Abraham had to rescue Lot from invaders in this area. He had to do violence. Now fast forward back to where we are, 24 years after God's first promise, these three representatives of God having a conversation, changing their names, Abraham and Sarah. Having this conversation, no, a baby will come, a renewal of the covenant, a renewal of the promise. And in that moment, the three men got up from the meal that Sarah had prepared, looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went to them to send them on their way. The Lord, the one identified as the Lord among the three, said, should I hide my plan from Abraham?" For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will, he, he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, in that moment, Sarah's not pregnant, promise hasn't been fulfilled, in that moment, The Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. Hurt people, hurt people. God doesn't like sin. He doesn't like pain. He doesn't want, God revealed to Peter, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would repent and believe. God desires that this would not continue. An outcry has come to me because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. In that moment, Abraham starts a conversation with God, what we call intercession, praying Talking to God on behalf of someone else. Abraham starts this, but God, what if in the whole city, in those, the, the, the two city area, if there's just 50 people who are righteous? But God, what if there's this many? What if there is, what if there's just 10? Chapter 18, verse 23. Abraham approached the Lord and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Something profound happens in this moment. Abraham and Sarah have not seen the fulfillment of the promise yet. But now all of a sudden, They see God more clearly than they ever have before. So I want to call today's message the prayer of 4K faith. Mm -hmm. See, what I believe is that in that moment, the three are getting up, they're preparing to leave the meal. This conversation ensues about what's happening in the city, about what's happening with Lot. And I think that Abraham asked three questions. What did God say? Nothing is impossible. He said, what did God say? Nothing is impossible. Further, in that moment, I think Abraham and Sarah, because it said they believed, what does the promise say about who God is. Nothing is impossible with God. I think they considered it was their reasonable response to believe. We gotta be careful that we don't get mixed up what faith is. Not once when Jesus commended someone's faith when he did a miracle Did he said, because you were so loud. Because your emotions were all riled up. No, they agreed with who God is and they made a decision to believe. And in whatever state they were in, they perceived who God is and they responded. What happened with Abraham and Sarah? They considered, what did God say? And did they stay in a moment of selfishness? See, sometimes when you have not yet seen the fulfillment of your promise, you still got to see someone else's pain. Who am I talking to this morning? You haven't seen the fulfillment yet. But what does faith look like? I hear what God has said and I consider who God is. And what does the promise say about who God is? And then from there, I've come to realize because I was born on a Wednesday but it wasn't last Wednesday that it's not all about me. Do you hear me today? I'm a week away from four months into some of the Worst physical symptoms I've experienced in my life. And when I wake up in the morning, I start with, it's not about me. It's not about how I'm feeling today. Faith is about God. It's not about how loud I get, how determined I am. It's about God. Here's what I believe. So I got to ask, the third question was, how should we respond? That's what Abraham said. Who? What did God say? What does that say about who God is and how should I respond? Here's what I want to tell you today. God-focused faith prompts prayer for others. God-focused faith some of us have come up in traditions and in church settings where it's all about the event and it's about an experience and where faith is really truly talked about. is kind of like, yeah, look at me, I got faith. Yeah, that's not it. That's not it. God-focused faith. Abraham and Sarah, 24 years after the first time God said it, chose not bitterness Chose not anger, chose not resentment, chose not depression or indifference to God. They didn't cancel God. They didn't walk out of the tent on the conversation. They stayed there. They were honest. They laughed. They're like, I don't see how it's going to happen. But they chose to believe. Not only that, but they listened again. God wants to talk to you again. Years have gone by, there's pain, there's hurt, there's disappointment. You're human, it's real. Years have gone by, but God wants to talk to you again. And when you listen, and when you consider, what did God say? Think about, what does that say about who God is? Then consider, how should we respond? I'm not done yet. Where's Jesus in this story? Where's Jesus? I'm always asking that. It's Sunday, it's about Jesus. Come on now. Because the Jesus followers, they held to this promise. Jew and Gentile alike. And we see that in Peter's preaching in the Jerusalem temple. Where is Jesus in this story? Acts chapter 3, verse 25 to 26. Watch this now. Peter preached in the Jerusalem temple to the Jews, to the Jewish leaders. You are the children of those prophets. And you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel. To bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. What Peter is teaching is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Jesus is how? Through the genealogy of Abraham, all people would be blessed. Why? Because Peter heard the words of Jesus and he said, go to people from every nation and lead them to be my followers. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. And the reality is, is that if my physical symptoms never change, if my life never gets better, can I learn the lesson that Job did? It said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And what happened? What does it say in Job chapter 42? He prayed for his friends, and then God blessed him. He prayed for his friends, and then God blessed him. God-focused faith prompts prayer for others. Even when we have not yet seen our own God promise fulfilled. If God's already done everything he said he's going to do for me, is it still faith? Is the fulfillment the purpose of faith? Or is a relationship with God the purpose of your faith? See, I've seen documented miracles. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen this principle work. Nine years ago, I was down in the south. I had a 103 degree fever. And I stood in a room and I shared the gospel of Jesus and saw 150 people come and give their life to Jesus. Sometimes it's not about you and how you're feeling. God-focused faith prompts prayer for others, even when we've not yet seen our own God promise fulfilled. I love this quote from my Godfather's now in heaven, Pastor Wendell Smith. We can approach God with confidence, honestly confessing our need and heart condition. At the same time, we can learn to speak faith and align our heart, emotions, and confession with the Word of God. We can learn to pray the prayer of faith. (laughs) Florence Chadwick, the first time not able to see the shore. How much time and energy are you giving to see God clearly? What is 4K? 4K is 8.3 million individual pixels in total. Four times as many as full HD, 1080. It's four times as much. I think faith has less to do with us, has more to do with how clearly we are seeing God. Just real quick, faith is not fantasy. Fantasy. And it's not superstition. We need to be careful. We're not relating to God like the genie of the lamp. It's not superstition. It's not about me getting what I want. God came and gave them that idea. God came and gave them that promise. But also, faith is not our ideas. I think it's important to understand that. Here's what I believe. Everyone can grow in God-focused faith by considering three questions and praying for others. What is the question? What did God say? What does that tell us about who God is? And how should we respond? You just bow your heads, have a private moment with God as we close. I want you to consider the answers to these three questions. This week, I want to invite us to pray this simple prayer. God, I believe you're in control. You saved us because you love us. You will be faithful to do what you said you would. I want to invite you this week to pray for people that you know who need Jesus. In a city where toxic selfishness is so evident, Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the rescue, Jesus is the way. May our God-focused faith prompt prayer for others, even when we've not yet seen our own God promise fulfilled. God, when we come to you honestly today, there's pain, maybe indifference, maybe anger, maybe discouragement. Lord, over what we thought was going to happen, that hasn't happened yet. God, I do believe that you are alive, you are aware, you are able, you are active. Like a good father, you know us. In fact, Lord, I believe that you know us better than anyone else. You know the hurt of our heart, you know where we are at. Better than anyone else, you can lead us forward. So God, we come to you, we confess where we've been wrong, we turn away from that, and we ask your forgiveness Lord, we ask for restoration, for rejuvenation. Lord, would you please open our spiritual eyes. Please help us to see you clearly. Lord, that nothing would get in the way of us seeing you clearly. Lord, that you would help our hearts to respond to you, considering Deeply, what it is that you've said and what that says about who you are. Lord, that we can be more focused on you than anything else. Thank you for it. Thank you for what you're doing here now among us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I know that as you focus on God more than anything else, you will be encouraged, you will be strengthened, you will be lifted, you will walk around considering Nothing is impossible for God. If God can do that, what else can God do? Grace and peace to you. Have a great week. Thank you for being here today. Greet someone that you are next to.